0: Beep beep Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is your boy, C I Z Y live action from Kansas City, Missouri. But to be more specific, we are in Overland Park today at Leo Moreno Jr. Boxing Club. Listen, if y'all need a kid, your kid to get his hands up. He over here in fourth grade, he getting bullied. I'm not saying that they gym is looking to promote this, but I'm just saying, if your kid getting bullied, he getting slapped up and shit, or your shorty, like your little shorty, like y'all need her to get her hands up, I'm just saying this might be the place to come. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. i just seen somebody who got hands in the city, his name up on the board. So that means that if you want to have some hands in this city, you should probably get your hands. Anyways... That's enough promotion. Uh, <laughs> with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, we're here live. Voices of Value, another episode, episode one seventy two to be exact. And you know how we normally do—like local business news and national business news. Today, we're simply going to touch on one pop culture topic. But in order for me to talk about that, you need to press the subscription button. Subscription button. Share this with a friend because that is the only way we can grow. Yesterday, Cassie. Artist, um, pop star, reveals that, well, she didn't reveal this, but they reveal that Cassie is suing Diddy on allegations of rape, um, abuse, um, coercion, all types of different things. People have been talking about Diddy for like 25 years, doing some crazy shit. Uh, He's been involved or talked about to be involved in the Tupac and Biggie murders. He's been talked about, you know, um, for physical abuse abuse of women he's been with for over 20 years he's been known as somebody who makes his interns do some wild shit he's been known to try to finesse young artists into situations they shouldn't be in so finally somebody's standing up i'm not saying i hate diddy or anything i'm just saying this has been conversations that have been happening for over 20 years so shout out to a strong young lady Cassie to stand up, speak about her experience, come out here and put them on the, put them on a the stand sometimes things like this are necessary and that's just my humble opinion. ain't hating on no man just saying sometimes things like this are necessary and that will be the only topic outside of this conversation that I wanted to talk about today so let's transition into who our guest is today I'm gonna go ahead and let you introduce I've been you know introducing people at a past I want you to go ahead and give me your uh
1: what do they call it? Elevator pitch. Who
0: are you? Where are you from? What do you do?
1: <laughs> my name's Easton Cook. I design clothes for my denim brand Bonisso. I've been cutting, sewing and designing my own clothes for about 5 years now. Uh growing here in Kansas City, doing my thing, pushing as much as I can. Uh yeah.
0: I love it. I love how you just said your last name, because I'm not going to lie, for about like 10 you weeks I've been coach, coach, coach. coach, coach. <laughs> I was thinking about, I started Googling the NBA player. <laughs> he used to play for uh, the Chicago Bulls when, uh when, uh when what's his name oh, was there, oh, when Michael Jordan was there. Koo Coach. Koo Coach or something. I'm going to start looking it up. I was like, yo, how do you say this man's name? But ladies and gentlemen, I did, all I did was type in Bonacel. How do you say it? Bonacel. Bonacel. I typed that in on the internet and generative AI on the topic of a topic we talk about a lot on this podcast, which is artificial intelligence. Some of our past few episodes have been about different ways we can integrate AI into business and a generative AI bot from Google, as soon as I typed in Bonacel, said, Bonacel is a clothing brand that specializes in premium workwear. The brand is also known as Easton. Bonacel clothing can be found at Gavel and online. Bonacel's clothing includes Mildred shirt, available in black hemp and laundered denim. Don't worry, we're going, you're going to wonder, I'm going to tell you why I'm reading this all off. Mechanic shirt, available in black brush denim. is also a sewing company based in the Midwest. They have a TikTok account with
1: the hashtag, hashtag Bonacel. How much <laughs> of this is true, Easter? That is 100. About a hundred percent accurate. That's fucking cool. How does that make you feel? <laughs> uh I like it actually. Yeah, I kinda <laughs> like that. You were like, I like that AI I, nose. Yeah, I mean, you know, it it is what it is, but I I feel like uh yeah, if you can just Google what is Bonacel and it can give you a pretty exact description, that benefits me to, to some degree. And know? what's even better is I didn't even say what is. I literally
0: just typed in Bonacel. I didn't put Kansas City in there. Well, that's crazy. I didn't put your first name. I didn't put I didn't put clothing. All I put in was Bonacel. Uh-huh. And then just based off its iterations of understanding where it I'm at. It a, is
1: a very like particular word. So, and uh, where does uh, it come from? It was my great-grandma Mildred Bonacel's maiden name. Interesting. So it is a name. Okay. Okay. And
0: hence where the Mildred shirt comes from. Correct. Okay. I like that. I like that. So when we think about the last name Bonacel, I cannot imagine where that comes from in the world. So can you tell me, is it an Italian, uh, Irish? Is it American standard? Like what, what is the background of your grandmother, your great grandparents? Like, do you know the bloodline?
1: It's, it's difficult to like date it to a specific area. Um, my great grandma had a couple different, uh, names growing up throughout the, um, throughout her younger age. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think Bonicelle was an English name. Uh, if i my memory serves me correctly um but when i was growing up i knew her as grandma bonaso okay and uh that was kind of the name that that stuck um the name pretty early on when i started making clothes i knew that this was a potential brand name um one because it's different kind of sticks out a little bit um i feel like it sounds elevated to some degree mm-hmm. Uh, But more so than just that, uh, she was definitely an inspiration for me. Um, After she had passed, like, you know, she passed when I was pretty young. But uh, once I got a little bit older and started getting into sewing and my grandma would show me like, hey, this was one of my mom's quilts that she made. Grandma Bonacel, do you remember her? And I was like, yes, I do. And I also just remembered how much my mom loved her. So that kind of like love that my mom had for her always stuck around. Um, And then whenever I actually realized that she was kind of like the first lineage of sewing in my family I was like okay there's some connection here um fast forward a little bit and I saw my mom has a couple of her quilts that she made and uh she used to brand them which was like to me so fucking cool because that's what uh that's kind of like what sets you off as a brand is like, what does your tag look like? What is the name? What are, what are the small little nuances about, about the piece? And so she would actually have these tags on her quilts that said, specially fashioned by Mildred Bonasso. That's fine. And the fact that uh, someone was doing that back in like, you know, the thirties and Mm -hmm. forties really inspired me. yeah! I was like, that's so fucking cool. Um, She also had this logo that she would put on a logo. She would have this star that she would put on them, which is now my brand logo. And uh, yeah, I felt this like real connection to her, um, even though again, like I didn't know her super well because she passed when I was younger. But like I've always struggled with brand names mm-hmm. to some degree. Like I'm not someone that just is like. It's not like I just like spit it's out a perfect right, name you're like that's you know? fire. Yeah, right, I have to like right. sit on it for a long time, mm-hmm. and this was kind of the one that like you know, you have to feel some connection to it. It can't Absolutely. just be like, you know, what, water, anything, water. <laughs> yeah, it can't just be like, you know, a, a random thing and it can't just be, uh, something that you think other people will gravitate and to. You, it has and to you be can something kinda that tell. You,
0: you can kind of tell when people have done that as well. Like, yeah. especially personally, in my opinion, especially in the fashion or clothing space, like you can tell somebody just came up with this in their bedroom. Like, all right, I'm just going to
1: call it a pole star. Or, like, I'm just going to call it. Or when it's a derivative of something else, mm-hmm. you know? Like, yeah. So, yeah, this was the one thing that, like, I thought about it for a long time. And that was kind of the one thing that stuck and that felt special to me. And I knew it would take a little bit of time to, like, get people to even be able to pronounce it correctly. Like, I get bionicle all of a sudden. You know, <laughs> rant. all okay. they dyslexic. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. But, uh, so it, I knew it would take a little bit. But, um, yeah, it's like it's a special connection to me for sure. Yeah. I love that. I love that.
0: And I kind of want to, you, you mentioned being younger a few times there. So I kind of want to just dial it back really quick to get a little bit of your origin. So mm-hmm. whereabouts did you grow up? Whereabouts are you born? And what were some of your early interests, you know, between zero and 10 from what you can remember? Cause I can't remember shit from <laughs> when I was under 10.
1: I was born in Oklahoma city.
0: I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Okay, makes so much sense because when you called me five minutes ago and I said Tulsa, okay. I said, eight, yeah, yeah. I'm going to pick it up because I know Nine, I just one, sent eight. this check, but I almost didn't pick up. I was like, I ain't picking up from Tulsa, but sorry. Continue. I grew up
1: in Tulsa. Um, <laughs> my entire friend group growing up in Tulsa and I were just like super into sports. Like that was everything. When I think about my childhood growing up, we would just create games, capture the flag, football, ripstick, bath like whatever random games we could come up with. Uh, I played basketball, football, and baseball growing up. And, like, my tight circle, we were just super into sports. And that was kind of, like, the first thing I remember kind of, like, really falling in love with was uh, really all three of them at different times. But, like, basketball was my thing. And uh, basketball was kind of, like, my introduction into style to mm, some degree. I love that, though. Yeah. And it wasn't really until – I wasn't, I wasn't super into clothing until I moved to Olathe, Kansas, which was like uh, my eighth grade year of okay. school, about thirteen. Yeah, around 13. that age. Before then, when I was growing up in Tulsa, you know, I liked like Under Armour and I liked, I liked nicer things, but there was never like a fashionable sensibility to it. Not until I moved to Olathe. Um, but yeah, sports and basketball in particular were kind of like my entire childhood. Um, I played. College basketball at William Jewell up north uh, in Liberty, Missouri. Interesting. Played okay. basketball, football, baseball all throughout high Already school. Already a part
0: two got to happen because I'm. We, we can, I We I, my research did not leave me there. My I'm research a, yeah. did not leave me there. I did not know that. It's that's like it's, it's
1: actually pretty funny how that's like the thing that led to all of this somehow in some way um and yeah I'm still like obsessed with sports I love that I love that what led to from
0: Tulsa to Olathe what
1: caused that to happen it was my dad's job he worked for Nabisco Craft Foods and uh yeah I just remember like you know six months before we moved my parents being like hey just so you know we might be moving and like my whole world was crushed because like I never really been outside of Tulsa um You know, I was at a good school, like I had good friends and didn't really want to leave. Uh, But, you know, looking back on it now, that was like the best thing that could happen was getting out of there and getting into a little bit bigger city and uh, meeting new friends. Uh, The new friends that I met in Olathe were fashion people. You know, so that was kind Talk of about
0: like, that. D- 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 dive straight into that. So when you, when you come to, let's just call it Kansas City, but Olathe, yeah, can't, yeah, can't. um, for those Kansas, who don't, don't know what Olathe is, we just keep it simple and we'll say Kansas City Metro, yeah, but not yeah. far from here. Um, so when you move there, when you're, you know, you say the people you met and became your friend group were fashionable. Is that like, once you get into high school, or are we talking as soon as you land, like the first land? Anyways, as soon as you drive into <laughs> as town, as, touch down, <laughs> as soon as you touch down, um, are you running into like, Oh shit, this is a whole new fashionable culture here in Olathe and like start asking questions around? Fa- I guess dive into what you mean by that. The answer bit.
1: to that question is no, but like the, the culture, definitely mm-hmm. not. Yeah. But, uh. I met a couple people and again, like these, these kids played sports too. So that was kind of how I initially Mm, met them. Yes. But, um, like, uh, one of my best friends, Dom, for example, was just like super in touch with what was going on Mm -hmm. from a fashionable standpoint. Um, and this was probably like my freshman or sophomore year of high school when he really started putting me on to like, Hey, you need to be looking at this kind of stuff. Cause around that time I was like, starting to care you know i was like i can't even totally remember what i was rocking at the time but i was definitely like starting to care a lot and uh we kind of formed a bond off of that and he was the first person to be like yo you need to get on tumblr like follow these people like have you ever heard of supreme check this out and uh that was kind of like the genesis i would say of me just stumbling down the rabbit hole of like (laughs) everything I could ever like want to know about clothes trying as hard as I could to figure it out.
0: Was there like a number one resource and resource in that in that like time period like a YouTube channel you were on or a Tumblr profile specifically that was your shit and you were like learning so much from is there anything?
1: Yeah growing up in high school it was Tumblr for sure I can't pinpoint like an exact profile but Tumblr was like crazy back in the day, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like uh Yeah, just seeing like certain people that we would cuz you know when you're in Olathe, Kansas, bro, there's like zero inspiration Same with Tulsa. Yeah. But like my whole life I've kind of felt like there's been no real outlet uh at least physically like with my physical location. So I've always kind of relied with digital outlets mm-hmm. and with online publications and Tumblr Tumblr was the main thing where we were like we just be in class scrolling, like, did you see this? Like, yo, he looks so fresh in this, like, seeing new brands and, um, like, uh, you know, Coma de Garçon play the converse with the heart on the side.
0: Yes, yes, good thing you broke that down because it's the, kind, the first part the heart, of whatever you just said. All the like, heart, what the converse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, gotcha. like,
1: I remember, like, back then, people weren't hip to mm-hmm. Coma de Garçon play at all. And my homie Dom had the actual, like, OG uh, CDG Converse and was just getting, like, shit on for him, you know? <laughs> like, bro, why why do your Converse have that weird heart on them? Right. And, you know, fast forward to now, and it's like everybody has those shoes mm-hmm. or everybody's trying to rock those shoes, and there's all kinds of iterations of them. But it was just, like, little things like that where uh, we would try to separate ourselves, you know? Because in Olathe, again, like, everyone kind of dressed the same. Everyone kind of looked the same. Everyone kind of was into similar things. So whatever we could do to, to differentiate ourselves into, I mean, you know, like we always thought we were on some crazy level, but it was like, you know, we don't have any money. Like how, so whatever we could do to, to at least feel a part of this world, because it was hard, you know, that was, that was kind of what we spent our time focused on yeah i love that
0: i love yeah. that that's fire so tell me tell me a little bit more about you know the development of your love of basketball and how that turned into your time in liberty i'm gonna mm-hmm. just call it liberty because i forgot the name of the school william jewel there william we go All jewel. Right, yeah, cool. yeah. um so let's just transition senior year are you like getting super into fashion to the point where you're going out and buying things and then like rocking that to your game and then putting your nice fit on after the game like how much was that tied into basketball culture for you and like how you were behaving and interacting at, you know, house parties after Friday night yeah, football um, games and shit like that?
1: They were definitely intertwined. Um, that, yeah, I remember like playing basketball and always wanting, like you could kind of tell who the best hooper on the other team was based off of like, oh, he's got those kicks. You can't even buy those. Like mm-hmm. those are the EYBL KDs. Or, mm-hmm. or, oh, he's got... <laughs> the Nike elite socks in that color that you can't get. So I kind of remembered like, like being able to pinpoint certain things based off of what people wore on the court. And I definitely cared. Like I was, I cared about what my basketball shoes were and I didn't want to be rocking some dusty basketball shoes. Like I wanted the new hyper dunks or whatever it was at the time. Speaking of dusty basketball shoes,
0: basketball <laughs> shoes,
1: ladies and gentlemen, raising my hand,
0: I was rocking the Walmart proto J's <laughs> for my eighth grade and freshman yeah. year. I lied to everyone and told them that they were a new style of Jordan. Some people believed me, which helped me out. Hell but yeah. then the real niggas called yeah. me out.
1: <laughs> But anyways, back yeah, to- that wasn't me. I, I definitely cared about it. Um, But, not to the point where it like ever overshadowed the sport like mm-hmm. I was more so into the sport like I played basketball for the love of basketball yeah, you're a because, hooper yeah that's, yeah, that's not, just what it was not right. because of anything style related mm-hmm. but I loved the the somewhat like interconnection between them and uh you know like you'd be scrolling Tumblr and you'd see a picture of Nick Young wearing full pyrex shit and like that has Sorry. nothing to do with basketball right but like right. he played in the NBA and PJ Tucker's crazy shoe collection. And so you like there were I just remember there being like a lot of connections between the two.
0: And that has kind of exploded now. I don't know if you follow all the new uh, fashion pages that are being created by photographers. Yeah, like
1: runway or not runway. I'm sorry. Well, yeah, runway. Yeah, uh,
0: runway, uh, NBA. That's a page. Then there's like NBA fashion and then there's like NBA fits. Like Um, getting
1: one of your pieces on an NBA player. Rocking to the game is like a whole part of this world now. You 100%. And
0: it's yeah. kind of funny to see because you see people like hustling to like, oh, they're going to be at this event. I'm going to go drop off my t shirt with them, like mm-hmm. trying to connect with their business managers to like get that shirt dropped off to them at their hotel before a game. Um, shout out my boy Yazin. I know he'd be on that. Just drop- I don't, yeah, yeah. yeah. He'd just be pulling up on everybody, dropping off his tees. His uh, bags are really yeah, fire. His, his bags yeah. are super cold. Mm-hmm. But, um, so, when you get to William Jewell, like, have you started a brand yet? Have you thought about launching a t shirt brand or like, uh, has creating a brand of your own in the fashion world? become a part of your thought process yet or yep. did it start in high school already i, I know we kind of skipped over high school but it when did,
1: it started uh like junior senior year in high school okay, we me and my homie started a t-shirt brand called dachi, dachi which was a d-a-c-e which just was our initials uh-huh. like okay okay <laughs> yeah but and, uh we, we can't were not call it dace <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly so we tried to find a way to like luxurize that yeah um and we were just uh doing like screen printed t-shirts and hoodies which was cool because no no one at our high school was really doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody was actually like pulling up to school with T-shirts for sale, you know. So it definitely it started in high school. Um, and yeah, I think back on that, like being a super necessary thing. Uh, like some people still rock those tees and hoodies, which is cool, you know. That would be fun um, if you just saw one like as soon as you walked <laughs> out of here right now. There, there are many. I don't <laughs> even have one anymore. So, But um, yeah, it started in high school uh, it didn't, that specific brand didn't last very long. You know, it was just kind of like a
0: part of the journey,
1: just a part. Yeah. Just like a friend group kind of thing. Um, but when I got to college, I definitely cognitively was like, I want to make clothes. I want to start a real brand. I want to figure this thing out for sure. So going into college, um, I had a scholarship to play basketball, but the whole time I was like, fashion brand, fashion designer, figuring out it wasn't even so much like fashion designer as much. It was just like, I want to know how this is done because there's no industry here. There's no real like, um, brands from here, especially back then. So I just had like zero information, zero mentors, zero connections to anything about how it actually happened. And I really, really wanted to know. And so that was kind of at the forefront of things. And, like, going into college, I was just sketching a bunch of shit. Like, I would sketch something and post it on Instagram, you know? Mm, mm -hmm. So I was always, people, I think, kind of knew me early on as kind of, like, the clothing guy a little bit. Also, when I got to William Jewell, I didn't know a single person. So I could kind of, like, almost start over. Mm -hmm. I could, like, rebrand myself to some degree. So I was, like, and I had a little bit of money from, like, Rad parties. Mm-hmm. I worked that summer. So I went into college, like, buying shit. Like, I was hopping clothes. <laughs> More so than I can now, even. So uh, that what was you, cool. What do
0: you remember during that time being some, like, signature pieces that you got that you really Dude, cared about? I
1: had a bunch of stuff. And it's funny because, like, I pretty much just ended up, like, flipping all of it on Grail. Because... Right. For one reason or another, most of it would be like either it didn't fit right or I actually didn't like it. or mm-hmm. But I got to experience so many different things, which I think was really important. Uh, I had some Rick Owens Ramones. I had some Yves Saint Laurent drip skate shoes. I had John Elliott shit. I had some Raf tees. I was
0: going But how did it, it feel <laughs> to have that and know that about 98% of the people you're going to walk by in that don't know what the fuck you're wearing?
1: It's like it's a, I, I was used to it to mm-hmm. some degree. But it also was kind of like, damn, <laughs> like this is a missed opportunity a little bit. And that was also why like I gravitated towards social media so much was because like, even though nobody at my fucking college knew about these Raph Oswegos I had on, I'd post them on Instagram and like all kinds of people that I'd never met in person mm-hmm. would be like, yo, those are fire. Or um, I would be connected to new people and new faces through that. Yeah, And so that definitely... Uh, that helped a little bit, but yeah, I mean, it was honestly probably even worse in college. Like nobody at William Jewel <laughs> even gave a shit. So. It's a, it's a,
0: there's a small suburb slash town called Liberty in Missouri. It's Liberty, Missouri, and this is where William Jewel is oh, at. Yeah. William Jewel for those of you that don't, is it an NAIA school or is it NCAA? Uh, it was,
1: they became NCAA Division Two like two or three years before I got there. Gotcha. So, okay, like, sick. Yeah, yeah. I know they had twenty. 11 2012 ish they went from uh, NAIA to Division 2. Fair,
0: yeah. So my brother when he was in college which was in like 02 03 04 in those areas I remember them being NAIA cuz yeah. they used to play them in football. But small college town. Very small. Not super ex- small. E- sort of diverse from an athletics perspective, but outside of that not extremely
1: diverse. Not diverse at all. Um uh, beautiful campus, really good teachers, uh but we can move on. There's yeah, no, yeah. I don't have a ton and of I, in, other word, in other words, they ain't going to
0: know shit about what he is wearing is no, the whole point I was trying to make there. Not <laughs> at all. Um, so you transition out of college. What year did you graduate college or 18, if you did? Oh, I don't want to make assumptions now. Sick. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you graduate 2018. What was the plan? Like, I guess the, the, the question I'm trying to lead to is when was the inception of what I formerly know as Easton Clothing, but it, which is now Bonacel. So that's what I'm leading to. But yeah, 2018, you graduate. What was the plan? or what were you already working on maybe that you were planning to like turn up?
1: Yeah. So it took a little while to get to the Easton K clothing mm-hmm. sale thing, but I actually I started another brand in college called After Hours, which okay. was pretty cool. Uh, I like it was it was really fucking dope actually, but uh, I didn't know what I was doing at all. What was
0: the idea behind the The brand? idea
1: behind After Hours was like really good streetwear, mm-hmm. um like simple streetwear uh with like a little bit of an athleisure take on it so like a little bit of that sports wary type of vibe um I had these sketches for pieces to get made that like looking back on it weren't even really very good designs but uh, I actually had access to some money in college William Jewell does this thing called a journey grant where uh, every student can apply and then you get somewhere between like two and four thousand dollars to travel somewhere and like write a report on whatever wherever you went uh, well, if you're an entrepreneur, you can take that and put it into your entrepreneurial project. Mm. So I got, you know, $3,500 ish to like put into this brand. And uh, so I I had some, a little bit of money. Um, I had been getting connected with some people in the clothing world in Kansas city during that time, specifically to a brand called Baldwin, uh, Baldwin denim. I don't know yes, if you might've is. heard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like a couple people through that brand ended up. Uh, connecting just giving me some additional resources like hey if you want to find a manufacturer this is kind of how you do it and if you want to find good wool fabrics you go here if you want to find good denim fabrics so I had like some resources and some money but I still just had zero experience Mm -hmm. and like really no idea what I was doing but I was like super ambitious and at the time nobody was doing that shit so it just felt so like innocent and it was dope. I look back on it with like a a good, a positive outlook. Um, but yeah, I started this, uh, streetwear brand called after hours. Um, the negative thing about it was just the execution of the garments was not right at all. Uh, so like when I got this production order back from a factory in Lima, Peru, uh, nothing fit right at all. Hmm. (laughs) So like, I had good fabrics, the brand was cool. Uh people loved my hoodies and tees, which was dope. But uh you know, I did like a wool jacket and a wool sport coat and whatnot, and like nothing fit. Literally nothing mm-hmm. fit. So that was kind of my uh so what'd you do with that stuff though? I I still sold it just for like <laughs> super cheap. And yeah, yeah, basically yeah, fair, so fair. like uh so like the small's and medium. basically what happened was uh Everything fit like two sizes smaller than what it was tagged. Yeah. So I had larges and XLs that I could still kind of get mm-hmm. in people's hands, but the smalls and mediums are honestly like for the most part still sitting in a box in my parents' basement somewhere. <laughs> There's somewhere yeah. there.
0: Uh-huh. Hey, well, ladies and gentlemen, it is Thanksgiving time and Christmas time. We got plenty of hoodie giveaways for the homeless. So you know, if you okay. find those, I mean, look, we could we could run up on we could. Uh, Shout out Ashan. I know Ashan every year does hoodies for the homeless. Shout if out you got some extra gear, just trying to plug it in, but moving on. Okay.
1: No, deadass, bro. So uh, probably like, this might be almost a year ago at this point, but I was at a bar with my parents and my girlfriend. And this dude walked into the bar rocking one of the after hours <laughs> pieces. And I'd never met him. I didn't know That's his sick. name, nothing. That's sick. And uh, he said he thrifted it. And so wow. that makes me think that someone got it gave it away mm-hmm. and then he came in and copped it which was so cool yeah, you know no, that's I, beautiful I keep a pretty good mental track of everyone that buys stuff for me mm-hmm. just because like I see it you yeah. know I know when it happens yeah. so like for me to just have no idea who you are if you're rocking one of my is was like so fuck. and for it to be a piece that I made this was like 2017 ish mm-hmm. so uh and like the style that's what I'm trying to say with the after hours thing is like the style of it was dope. Like people could still probably the concept, gravitate the towards idea, the, concept. the brand was and like, there bro, the lookbook was so good. I used the uh, photographers from Baldwin. We I I used like the best models I'd ever used. <laughs> um so like if I dropped the lookbook that we shot in 2017, I think people would be like, Oh, that's fire today, yeah, you know? But it was just the execution was off. But that was kind of my uh that was definitely my like biggest learning curve mm-hmm. to getting more into the actual execution of making clothes. And uh, I had the thought like if I'm gonna spend money on getting clothes made, I'm gonna at least know how they're made. Mm-hmm. And so that's where um like the next little bit of money I had, rather than giving it to someone to make clothes for me. I was like I'm going to buy a sewing machine. I'm going to figure this thing out myself. That way, um at least if they suck, like I'm learning why right. they suck, you know? Right. Absolutely. And so
0: you do that, you take that capital, you invest back in yourself into you learning how to create the material, the the clothing the feel that you want. And how how has that been from a like I guess business perspective, where it's like a longer. Pro- I mean, it's a long process regardless. It is. You know what I'm saying. But when you're having to do the hand handiwork, I always ask people who create dope materials like you and Yaz. And I'm like, yo. So like, what's the business plan? Like, cause you can't like, you know, you can't make a thousand pieces with your bare hands. You know what I'm saying. So, I guess during that learning process what new revelations have you had about the industry or about the clothing that you want to make or about the business direction you want to go? What new revelations happened during that time period?
1: Definitely a couple things. Um, some people don't care about the garment being perfect. You know, like that's what I, especially nowadays, like that's what I care about is like every single stitch being mathematically correct and everything looking and presenting super clean and there not being one mistake and things of that nature. I learned, uh, you know, not necessarily everybody cares about that. Some people don't care if the hem is raw or if the left sleeve fits shorter than the right or if the pocket's fucked, you know. They just want to be a part of some type of community or a part of something new and fresh and dope. And so I was always still able to, like, profit, yes, but also, like, get people kind of excited about what I was doing. Um, I was also, like, at the time probably one of the few people actually, like, cutting and sewing my own pieces. And so, like, even though the shit was not right, people still liked it and people still, you know, would wear it. And um, I think that was something I learned really early on was, like, there's another reason why people buy things other than it just being like the best executed piece. Cause I went from like dope designs, poor execution to like mostly caring about the execution. And that wasn't necessarily why people liked my stuff or bought my stuff. Um, Some people, some people want it just cause it's different or just cause it's unique or just cause there's only two of them. Or, you know, I learned that there's like, a million reasons why somebody buys something. Um, you don't always have to like know exactly what it is, but you gotta position yourself to like hit on as many of those different areas as, as possible. You can, right. Yeah.
0: And I think like the word that keeps popping back up in my hand my head is really just brand and storytelling. And I think For that's sure. something you do really good at like
1: Yeah, and sorry to cut you off, yeah, but like I've always been giving myself on social media i've always been posting i've always been like hey these are the updates so like even though you know now uh, i've like scrubbed a lot of that kind of stuff and started new the people who have been following me this whole time have like grown with that and they've definitely seen the evolution and they've definitely seen like how much better shit has gotten and you know what's really it's five years but it's like still a pretty short amount of time and yeah it's like that community aspect which is so hard to grow but that's like probably the most important part. Yeah. It's
0: powerful for sure sure, in terms of like being a mover and shaker in the space. That's what's gonna take you where you want to go. Yeah. And then obviously you still gotta execute. Right. uh, But like you said, there's a lot of different variations of what that means to different people. For sure. Like the execution to me, like I just mentioned Ashan, I just mentioned Yaz, I just mentioned we're talking to you right now, like like all three of you guys uh, Kai Dom like with your respective crafts arts uh creations what I really respect and what I really enjoy is more the 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 the, the storytelling and like the presentation of sure. whatever that comes out and because of that now I want to buy the product. Now I want to come see the product, whatever it might be, whether it's the music from Ashan, but even some of his clothing he's, he's dropped in the past or whether it's he has his bags or whether it's your denim pieces. Like, I don't, I don't know what the fuck denim is until like two weeks ago when we, when you pulled converse, it up pulled it yeah. at the store <laughs> and like, you know, like then I'm like, okay, this is really interesting. But prior to that, I'm like, I just think your storytelling's fire. Like the way you put your foot, the photography, like how you, let us know that something's out, like who you choose to be models. I'm like, okay, 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 yeah. I like this. I've always, like, yeah.
1: it's funny, like, uh, the more I've gotten into, like, the sing- like every single stitch on this garment, the less I've kind of, like, thought about those things. I still, It's still super important, obviously. Right. But, like, when I was first growing up and I wasn't actually making the clothes, mm-hmm. That was everything was like, who's the model? Who's the photographer? How is it presented? How is it, you know, told in a unique way? And like, uh, you know, I, I pretty much for the most part, I'm like doing this all myself. So like, the more I focus on sewing every single piece, it's almost like the less my brain works in that area. It's also but, uh, second
0: nature from all those years of doing a only bit, that part, yeah. though, I think. I think you've Definitely. developed that skill. It doesn't mean it doesn't need to be harped on even more, but, like, you've right. developed that skill. So naturally, when you write a caption, naturally when you post a photo, you know, yeah. you just know how I should post this. For sure. And you know what I, I know what I should say. You're not thinking about it like yeah. that, but it just naturally comes because the skill sets yeah. there.
1: And I know what it should look like. I know what yeah. it should feel like just from doing it for so long. Oh, yeah. Hell
0: yeah. And so I want to dive into which we've touched on here and there. So if people have been listening closely, they probably could have put it together now. But the inception of what is now Bonacel. Let's let's talk about that. Like when when did you release that name as the new brand brand name? We know why, we know where the name comes from. But like when did that happen? And then the the most recent that could be behind. But the most recent um, photo shoot in my like, collection I saw I think is tied to. The photo shoot you do with Rare, what's his name? Juice. Uh, Juice, Rare Juice. Yeah. Um, so I guess what's the newest pieces that have come out? What is the focus of the brand right now? And when did this happen?
1: Like oh, yeah.
0: This, this year, last month? So
1: <laughs> I started Bonacel about a year, probably like it, almost 18 months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, prior to that, I was doing East and K clothing kind of after the after hours thing fell off. And what Easton K clothing was, was just kind of like me making whatever I wanted slash me making whatever other people wanted me right. to make for them. Yeah. And I got sick of that. I got yeah. tired of like, yeah, I can do this. But if you want it this way, sure. You know, I, I got tired of doing that. So uh, I wanted to like, this is what I do. This is what I'm making. This is the name. This, I wanted it to be like an official brand. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, prior to that, while I was doing Easton K clothing, I had the idea for Bonicel Denim for probably like a year before I actually started it. Mm-hmm. But uh, there were like so many little things. Like by this point, you know, I've been doing clothing brand related stuff for like three, four, five years. So it's like, okay, whenever I do start this next brand, this is the one. Mm-hmm. And I know kind of what I need to get in order before I started. So there was kind of like that probably year long period of like, okay, I know I want custom hardware. Like I know I want my logo to be on my buttons, but how do I get that done? Mm -hmm. So there was that period of just like finding, finding out how to get it done, meeting people in the city that had done similar things, talking to them, getting their input. Um, So finally, whenever I felt ready to kind of like, start sampling pieces for Bonasel was probably about 18 months ago or like summer 2022 ish. And uh, the idea was just to make like one piece at a time, post it, talk about it, um, let people purchase it if they wanted to do so. And uh, just like go on to the next one, keep going, keep going. Um, Right now that's kind of similarly the idea. But uh, I do want to have, like, a core collection of pieces. Like, I feel like I've kind of honed in my craft. I've honed in, like, my idea of what are the four or five, like, original Bonacelle pieces. Like, the four or five that are, like, universal. Like, anyone can wear this at any time. Um, These are the two or three fabrics out of each of these pieces I want to do. And just having the branding, like, 100% dialed in. So rather than, like, making, uh, you know, random stuff one at a time, there's definitely, like, a clear and concise vision for it right now. Um, Denim is the forefront of that. Like, the original Bonacel selvage jean is kind of like the ethos of my brand, I would say. That's, like, the poster garment. Um, But I am still making a couple other pieces. You mentioned the Mildred shirt on there. That's, like, one of the most elaborate pieces I've done. Uh, The mechanic shirt, which is a piece I'm wearing right now. Um, and so just kind of like surrounding the denim with a couple complementary things that fit the narrative as well. Cause it's, you know, like denim is a pretty universal thing. Like everybody has a pair of jeans, but everybody has a different pair of jeans, you know, like <laughs> everybody might have a pair of jeans, but not
0: everybody yeah. may
1: understand denim. So there's, and there's so many like. Version, Versions. you know, there's like the twenty dollars jeans from H and M. There's the explain
0: what you explained to to, to us, and, and let's stick to jeans because it's just the the simplest yeah. uh, the simplest for people to understand. So let's go from like twenty dollars from Walmart or mm-hmm. Target, all the way up to like some of the two hundred seventy dollars ones that you showed us at okay, Gavell. So let's kind of run through like why it would be priced higher, uh, the quality, how it's made to the best of your abilities. I know we kind of went through so much conversation in, when, when I was at yeah, the yeah. store, but to the best of your abilities, just for people to understand like how much beauty storytelling, like
1: mm-hmm. background history work goes into So, like a cheap ass pair of jeans is going to be using the cheapest possible denim fabric you can find. So like nine times out of 10, that'll be made in China or Mexico. Maybe I'm not entirely sure. Um, It'll probably have some stretch involved in it, like 98% cotton, 2% elastic, Mm -hmm. for example. And these jeans will be used on a couple machines. A couple machines used to make as many units as humanly possible. So like H&M, for example, is probably making tens of thousands of units of each of these pants. And when you're using cheap hardware, And when you only got one tag and when the fabric costs you $3 per pant, you know, you can get jeans manufactured for 11 bucks or nine bucks or Mm -hmm. whatever the cost is. Um, Whenever you get into some of the stuff that we carry at Gavel, you're going to be using really high quality denim. So like selvage denim, for example which is a denim woven on a shuttle loom. So like the side uh, finishing on each side of the denim has this like colored ticker. Um, It's kind of a signal for like quality denim. Um, So like American made selvage denim or Japanese made selvage denim. Um, And the machines used to make these jeans are going to be the best on the market, like old Singer machines, uh, new Juki machines and multiple different machines um, to make these jeans. So like a typical pair of jeans will go through like seven, eight, maybe even nine different sewing machines. Wow. And each of these machines are very expensive. They're not cheap machines. And they all do one thing. And they all do one thing really, really well. Interesting. So, and you know, like, and rather than there being tens of thousands of units cut, they might only be manufacturing 50 or 100 or 200 units. And when less... Fabric. When the width of the fabric is narrower, you're going to get less yield. You're going to get less amounts of jeans cut per the same amount of fabric. Well, you are using more fabric to make less amounts of jeans. You're using higher quality. Maybe you're using custom hardware like I am. Maybe you're using re-re-zippers, which are like top of the market. Maybe you're um, using like custom pocket bags and you're printing on them. And maybe you're using multiple tags and all kinds of things to like increase the price of it. So, whereas H&M is spending, you know, $9 per pair, 316 is spending $65, $70 per pair. And so that's kind of, you know, if you're spending $70 to get a pair of jeans manufactured, you can't sell them for $80. Right. You know, there's there's no no business in that. Right. So that's kind of where you get to these like $200, $300 pairs of jeans and, you know, even up in some cases from there. But it really just comes down to like the quality of the fabric, where it's made. Um, the number of units, um, and then there's a bunch of other little hardware, zipper, tags, printing. Some people print on their jeans, yeah. um, you know, things like that.
0: I love it. And speaking of that, I want to dive into some of the pieces you brought or have on one the yeah. two. Um, so I if finished you want, this piece today. This little, is beautiful. So let's start from awesome there. Just do your best version of breaking down that piece to your best abilities. What is it? Why does it look so thick? Can I touch it really quick? Yes, why uh, Why does it feel like almost like a very strong pair of jeans? But like, yeah, just break break down the vibes, man. Break down the vibes. You know I'm not no, I'm not good with this fashion shit, so <laughs> no, I don't I got good questions. Got
1: this is the uh, Bonacel Mechanic shirt. Um, I've been working on the Mechanic shirt since earlier this summer. There was a short sleeve version I did with more pockets on it. That's like a true Mechanic shirt. This one, I'll probably end up changing the name at some point, but this is my Mechanic shirt pattern. Uh, so that's what I'm calling it for now. But uh, this is a 12-ounce heavily washed denim textile. So whenever you get denim in, it's typically going to be raw, meaning it's never been washed, treated, nothing like that. And denim at heavier weights, you know, 12, 14, 15 ounces, it can be pretty stiff, and Mm -hmm. it can be pretty rigid and almost uncomfortable. Like the
0: pants we touched over there. Right. Uh,
1: Whenever you wash it a shit ton or, you know, do different methods of washing it, it gets really soft, and it gets really comfortable. And, like, this has almost got, like— like a blanket texture yeah, type of feel it. to yeah. it. And when you get some of that softness mixed in with like a heavier weight, it just feels really substantial. It feels good on your body. You know, it doesn't feel like you're wearing anything flimsy or cheap. Like it feels like you have a, a shirt fit for mechanical work on a type of vibe. Shit, like a, like a, a labor suit. That's what I call it. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other thing I try to do with my pieces is just like, keep them pretty roomy. Like, mm-hmm. especially my shirting block. Well, with the pants too. But it's like, I don't want anything fitting super tight. You see a lot of, you know, skinny jeans was a whole way. But even in like the rod denim movement, you see a lot of really like slim, tapered, hugging your thighs type of jeans. And I do understand like that is a part of the rod denim He movement. can
0: understand it and he can, uh, whatever he about to say. But listen, man, <laughs> I know I shouldn't have comments or opinions on other men. So I'm going to wrap it by saying just hey, stop wearing stop wearing them tight ass motherfucking jeans. Yeah, but I should shut up because I ripped these today, even though they're not jeans. But uh <laughs> Literally, y'all know I got some bonicelle pants. I do need some bonicelle pants. Man, I that do don't need some pants. that wouldn't to. happen if I had bonicelle exactly. pants. Facts. Go ahead.
1: The, yeah. The skinny, like when you see like distressed skinny jeans, that shit needs to end. But like the raw denim movement, uh, the reason people wear jeans that are so tight is because that raw fabric, like the more stress you put on it, mm-hmm. the crazier it's going to fade, break in, form to your body. So there is kind of like a tactical reason why I still can't rock that shit. Um, I don't want anything hugging my thighs. I got athlete's thighs. So, like, I need a looser, like, more flowy pant. And so that's why the pants that I make are straight leg. Um, So, like, looser all the way throughout, just something roomier and more comfortable. Same with the tops. Like, this is a pretty flowy, boxy type of garment that I think uh, is pretty versatile, you know? Like, you can button it up and dress it up, or you can throw, like, a hoodie on underneath it and keep it pretty casual. So, I try to keep the fits...
0: Pretty loose. And the, so that's the mechanic... Shirt. Shirt. Let's talk about the Mildred.
1: The Mildred shirt, yeah. Yes. It's, the Mildred shirt, uh, named after my great-grandma, Mildred Bonasso. Shout out um, to grandma. It's a, actually a very similar piece to this, but I've just kind of like taken it up a notch, like elevated a little bit. So uh, I've given it a full lining. So this piece is not lined. This is just, you know, one piece of denim on both sides. The Mildred shirt has a hemp... Fishnet lining mm. running throughout the entire thing, the sleeves, the body, everything. So it just feels fucking amazing, bro. Yeah, like when you have I was this, fishnet, to say, when you got that hemp, that hemp feels so good on my skin. It feels Great, yeah, it feels great. And so like the hemp, it's it almost feels like a heavy kind of mesh. Mm-hmm which uh, it's like breathable. You can feel the texture of it against your skin. That's something as a designer that I've really like honed in. I've always been good with fabrics, but like textures are super important to me. Um, So like the texture of the fishnet lining is just incredible. A couple other features to it. Um, It's just a full hemp garment. Like everything's hemp. There's drawstrings running throughout both the sleeve cuffs and the bottom hem, 100% hemp the mesh lining or the fishnet lining, like we talked about is hemp. The outer of the Mildred shirt is hemp. So like I keep the mechanic shirt pretty, pretty standard with denim. The Mildred shirt is hemp, everything hemp. So yeah, that's kind of like my luxury elevated version of what I'm currently wearing. Just San- taking it up a notch, making it even heavier. Um, and just utilizing a few other details and a few other trims that like really make it stand out. Yeah. And I love it. I think, uh, one thing I would highly recommend for everyone listening to
0: this podcast is, number one, of course, to go purchase Please. some, some, some Bonacel clothing, keeping go to me the website. Alive. You just had an announcement earlier today in regards yep. to a newsletter that I want you to shout out so that people can be aware of that oh, and, yes. and, and know how to subscribe to that and what your plans are with that newsletter um, and then where they can find your clothing. But more importantly, not more importantly, what I would recommend for anybody who's listening to this podcast and really enjoyed the conversation around like – the details, like when he start, when uh, Easton started getting into the details of the material, me and my friend Malad found that to be extremely interesting and like fascinating. And we're like, damn, we want to start brands now type of energy, right? Yeah, yeah. So if you guys feel that same way, follow Easton first and foremost, and pay attention when he says he's at Gavel from 11 to 7 and pull up on him because I assume you're willing to talk with anybody and everybody about yeah. this type of stuff. And- Bro, this
1: is what I do, like... Uh- If anybody wants to start a brand, I'm just, like, the best person to talk to because I've, one, started so many brands. And, two, I just, like, I've never had, like, a connection to Lil Yachty where I can just, like, give him a hoodie. And Mm -hmm. next thing you know, I'm blown up. Like, I've been selling clothes to, like, my friends and, like, people that I've met on the streets and people that I've met just, years hustling and networking. So I feel like uh, I've definitely, like… I've got some secrets for you for sure. He does, and I didn't even understand half of them when you were sharing them, but they were fire and made me want to ask more questions. That's kind of where the newsletter comes into play too is like even if you don't want to meet with me in person, subscribe to my newsletter. It's called the Divine Layers newsletter. You can subscribe at divinelayers.substack.com. Divine Layers is kind of like my pseudo-creative voice name that I've been rocking with for a little while. Bonacel is my brand Divine Layers is like the store that carries the brand eventually yes. type of vibe. Um, So the Divine Layers newsletter is like me giving as much of my journey, story, uh, thoughts, failures, accomplishments into like a weekly publication as I can. So I'll be dropping a weekly newsletter. I got one uh, dropping tomorrow morning actually about like the creation of this piece. Just talking about all the details of it. And not just uh, about the pieces in general and not necessarily just about, like, selling clothes, but also about, like, the trials and tribulations of being an independent designer, you know? Like, I love this shit. I'm going to do this forever. But it's not necessarily easy. And it's not necessarily always fun. Like, sometimes it's like, all right, I'm making this shit, but who's going to buy it, you know? It's like, I put six, seven hours into this piece, but that doesn't pay me anything, you know? It's like, even after I finish making this beautiful garment there's still a whole other world of the business side of things that has to happen in order for me to actually like be able to keep doing this yeah so that's kind of like where the newsletter comes into play and I think I have a bunch of cool stories about just like the past five years of me doing this shit and a lot of cool insight and I've got a ton of industry knowledge bro like I know exactly how clothes are made I know exactly where most of these brands get their stuff made. I know how it's made. I know where these fabrics come from. Like I can, bro, I can look at a garment and half the time tell you exactly what it costs for Which them. Which is to make what it.
0: I'm going to ask him
1: here in <laughs> 10 seconds about this t-shirt. But no, I love that. So one more Those time,
0: website where they can purchase your clothing, then how they can subscribe to the newsletter, anywhere else they want you to follow. You want them to follow you, how they can support you. Yes. Plug them one more time just in please, case they didn't please. hear you.
1: Bonacel Sewing. That is the name of my brand. I'm on Instagram at Bonicel Sewing. Bonacel is B-O-N-I-C-E-L. Uh, and my website is Um So that's where you can find all the Bonacel stuff. Check me out there. And then uh, the for the newsletter, it's divinelayers.substack.com. And you can find my personal Instagram page uh, by searching Divine Layers. Uh, I don't have a website for that. But yeah, Divine Layers or Bonacel. I
0: highly recommend that you guys yeah. subscribe to this newsletter. Like the earlier you can get into a newsletter and kind of understand. Because it's not
1: always going to be free. Right now it's free. but First uh... and foremost, exactly.
0: First <laughs> and foremost, that part. But also right. just like sometimes do you ever subscribe to a newsletter like, and they've been doing it for two years, now you feel like you missed out on a lot, and then you for try sure. to go back and reread it. And people who really want to invest in the brand
1: will go do that. For sure. At the and end of the day. I don't know if you're – Familiar with Substack at all? But yeah, it's like of a really cool writers S- publication. Super Looks easy super to cool. navigate as well. But the way that Substack works is um, your posts get archived over mm-hmm. the over the time, and like uh, new subscribers will only have access, or free subscribers will only have access to like two weeks of your archive posts, mm-hmm. and uh, by paying you know the monthly subscription, you can get access to all of them. But that's kind of one of the cool things about Substack is like you kind of got to get in now if you want to see the full um timeline of what I'm doing on there exactly. so exactly
0: so go subscribe ladies and gentlemen all that information will be
1: in the
0: description box on YouTube when this drops next Wednesday nice. it is Friday today my yeah. guy first and foremost I appreciate you dropping in today I'm gonna come see you from eleven to seven sometime yeah, pull up to, Gavel. to Gavel. Continue this conversation
1: yeah one one more plug yeah uh, Gavell is by hands down the dopest men'swear slash denim shop in Kansas City. Uh, shout out to cam. Uh, I work there Mondays from 11 to seven, and I also have some Bonacel pieces available in that shop too. So if you want to come out and check out some Bonacel stuff in person or, uh, just chop it up with me and learn as much as you can about how these dope garments made their way to Kansas city, come through Gavel. It's on 18th and grand right across the street from green lady lounge. Uh, it's an amazing shop. You should check it out for sure.
0: And Voices of Value podcast stands by that 100%. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, yet another episode, 172, 172. with our guy, Congrats, Easton. Um, we'll be back again because this conversation has so many more layers we need to uncover and touch on. I want to do like a panel with you. Like, yeah, and, and, I feel like we can keep going. Yeah, yeah we could sure. go out for hours. But... Subscribe, share with a friend, leave a comment. That is the only way we can grow. This is your boy C-I-Z-Z-Y signing out. Salud.